Have you noticed how much things have changed since you became a mum? Do you feel as though you're the only one struggling to adjust to this new norm? Can you no longer see clearly the things that felt so transparent before? Well friend, you are not alone, and we are here to invite you into our mummy village so that you always have somewhere to turn and a place where you belong. Together, we will try and bring to light the common struggles of the modern Orthodox mama and delve into scripture in the hope of navigating through all of our doubts on this new and exciting journey. So come as you are and open your heart and mind to embrace the transformation God has in store for you. Um, hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Mami. Um, we are continuing our Love After Kids series today and we are so lucky to have um, Kiro join us today. So Kiro um, works at Exodus and has been there for some time now but he's also um, had some experience with marriage counselling um, and is our go-to for all things um relationship and kids problem wise for Kiro <laughs> but we appreciate it welcome Kiro thank you thanks for having me guys um so Kiro can you just give us a quick rundown of like who you are what your work is and a little bit about your family too yeah um I've yeah my, my name's Kiro I'm a social worker slash um counsellor by trade um I've worked um, in child protection for most of my career um, with, with the department. Um, I've been at Exodus full time now for about over two years now. Um, and yeah, it's social work and, and counselling. Um, we do a lot of things at Exodus, um, but counselling um, and sort of family mediation and things like that is probably one of our biggest ones. Um, I'm married to a beautiful wife called Tina, Miss Tina. Um, and I've got two kids, a nine-year-old daughter and a seven-year-old son. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a dog and I like fishing. That's me. <laughs> you nailed that. That was like the awkward tell us a bit about yourself yeah. question in all interviews that nobody knows. No one wants to answer. <laughs> That's all I've got. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, so... I guess like for us today, um, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't struggle, whose relationship or marriage doesn't struggle after they have kids. And I think, you know, I'm sure you see it all the time, Kiro. I know um, I definitely see it all the time at work. I know we see it socially um, all the time, but the one guarantee after having a kid is that your relationship will change. Um, whether how that changes i'm sure looks a little bit different for everybody and what that change uh the impact of that change i'm sure is different for everybody but it's a guarantee um and i think the hard thing to kind of the hardest thing to navigate is or the hardest thing to do is work out how to navigate that change um and so what we're hoping to do today it's kind of work out, you know, before you were a parent, you were a husband or you were a wife. And before you were responsible for this child, you were given the responsibility of your partner and your spouse. And how do we balance all of that? How do we prioritize our marriages, our relationships when we are suddenly thrown under the bus that is a newborn child. Um, and it just kind of doesn't stop from there because there's always ongoing um, 
ongoing demands on us as individuals, as a, as a father, as an individual, as a mother, as an individual and as, as a couple. So a lot to discuss, I'm sure. <laughs> yep. I heard something really, um, really interesting this week. Uh, it was, I can't remember who it was, but someone talking about marriage and the relationship that changes. Um, and they said, look, your marriage is basically for your entire life. So you get married mm -hmm. at whatever, 20, 30, until you die, <laughs> you are in this marriage. Um, it, it's a healthy marriage. But kids and young kids is for a short season. And at some point, these kids are going to leave and they're going to start their own lives and you're going to be left with the original person that you married. And so if we neglect that person in these short years of young kids, then it's going to make for a really awkward conversation later. Um, so it's about how exactly like you said, navigating these periods where we've got young kids. It's a season. It's a short period very long seems very long but it is actually a short period in our entire lives how to remember that person who did come first in our relationship mm -hmm. so that we've got pleasant conversation later <laughs> um, and it's not so awkward <laughs> so I thought that was a nice little perspective a nice mm -hmm. thing to go into this discussion thinking mm -hmm. of um, but just again on the introduction this is more general we're going to be asking Kira some questions um a lot of you have actually asked us a few questions to ask these will be answered hopefully tonight as well um so these are very uh, general it's not a one-size-fits-all scenario so please if you're experiencing certain problems or certain issues or if this topic or um anything that we say is is triggering for you because it's something you're struggling with please get the help that you need um, so this is by by no means that that um, that help. It's just a general kind of discussion that we're having, and and something for us to think about. If you think this is not a problem in your marriage, in your relationships, um, maybe this might uncover some sort of things to think about. Just something for all of us to reflect on, really, um, after listening to this. So I might start off, Kira, and I'd I'd kind of um asked you this before we started more so that I could mentally prepare myself for what was to come um I think like I think that every couple really does struggle after kids come what do you maybe maybe the first thing is why why do you think that changes what is it that about having children that just makes our relationships which for a lot of not for everybody but I'm sure for some people their relationships might have like felt rock solid before they had kids um, and I'm sure there are other people who might have gone into having children saying, I'm going to have this child to save my relationship. But I think both of those couples will struggle. What is it What is it about kids that just makes relationships so much harder? Yeah, look, I, I think um, for a lot of us, the priority seems to change, I think, as soon as we have kids. So prior to kids, our priority is our spouse, is our relationship. Our happiness is there. The excitement is there. Everything we're doing, we're doing together. We don't have anywhere near as much responsibility before kids as we do after. So our, our priority, our efforts, our resources, everything goes into our relationships and making them as fun, as good and as happy as possible. And I think once we have kids, our prior, what we prioritize, I think, goes straight to, to the newborn, to the kids. Um, and our, our marriages sort of take a backseat, which, I mean, 
and and I guess this will feature throughout the discussion, but I think we need to think about that because, you know, I don't think the priority should change because, you know, our marriage and our relationship, like what, how good are we of parents or how good of parents are we if our marriages are not good or how good family members are we or workers or servants or any, anything that we do, if our marriage isn't solid, a lot of this stuff depends on our marriage or is influenced heavily by our marriage, especially our parenting. Um, yeah, but I think just naturally the priority of kids coming to the world, they're young, they're vulnerable, they're very dependent and everything goes into that child. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, I think our relationships take the biggest hit because we don't stop working when we have kids because we have to work. We don't stop serving. We don't stop. We don't not talk to our family members and not visit and not, you know, maintain our social lives. All of that stuff seems to continue mm. just fine when we have kids yeah. mat leave we're still getting paid after mat leave we go back guys probably you know still work a lot of the time you know after kids um so yeah it's funny i think our relationships um come out yeah last that's such a good point i never even registered that mm. like you're right you do everything else you have to do everything else and it's like non-negotiable that you do everything else but like you really don't you your relationship really is the first thing that just falls off or like you feel can fall off I didn't even think of it that way and and I like I agree like you how good a parent can you be if you don't have that partnership like what are you modeling for your kids um I think it's it's a good thinking point um I can't remember again I'm, I'm terrible with the referencing I'm gonna say St John Chrysostom but that could be very wrong <laughs> so don't take my word for it um but Someone says that, uh, you know, husband and wife are essentially a picture of Christ and the church. So our marriage, our, um, if, if we, you know, prioritise our marriage and we put, we invest into making it a healthy relationship, then that becomes a witness to our children um, and essentially the world uh, about how to live a healthy marriage and what the relationship of Christ and the church actually looks like. So if you think about the responsibility is actually on our shoulders to prioritize this relationship rather than putting it last, which is what we all, most of us tend to do. And we think of it as this, this testament um, to the relationship of Christ and the church, then maybe my perspective might change and my priorities might change. Um, so it is, it, we are called to serve and love our husbands. Husbands are called to die for their wives. Like this is the the calling of marriage. We are called to leave everything and be joined. And yet, like you, like you said, Kira, like I've never really thought of how low on our priority list we tend to put it once we have kids and once life gets really busy. But this is essentially a lifelong friendship, a lifelong commitment, and a lifelong witness to the to our children and the world of God's relationship with us, of Christ's relationship with the church. Good. And like, like, it's the basis for everything that, that we do, you know, we're like, you know, we, we can't be good parents if, if we don't have a good marriage, we can't be good servants, we can't be good workers, we can't wake up fresh and happy and go off to work and do a stellar job if our home life is horrible, you know, like we, we it's, the, it's our baseline, it's, it's our foundation, you know, a good marriage allows us to be good and, and efficient and productive and blessed in a lot of other things we do um 
Yeah, and and if we and if that's the case, or if we look at it like that, then it is for argument's sake the number one priority um, for us. I think. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you know sometimes we think of how much our kids need us, but we don't think of how much our partners need us or how much we need our partners. I think one of the things that we tend to do as parents, and I, I have to say, this is something I've seen on both ends. Like I can honestly, like even literally just yesterday, having this conversation with a new dad um, at work who was saying to me, you know, I feel like I'm constantly giving to everybody. Am I doing a good enough job? I'm giving to my kid. I'm giving to my work. I'm giving to my wife, but is it enough? Um, and we forget that actually it's not just that we're giving to our partners, we're actually receiving from them too. And we're receiving support and we function best when we function as a unit. Um, and we forget that. And I, I think sometimes like if we try to remember that, if we try and acknowledge that, we're we're only as as strong as we are as a unit then we will put that effort into our marriage and we will put that um commitment we will prioritize that relationship because we realize that literally everything else um depends on it um as we like as we go but i guess the question for me hero is like how how do you do that how do you do that when like to you know in in a lot of cases you know the like dad is out all day working to try and support his family um if you've got a newborn mum might be home on maternity leave with a baby but constantly tending to its needs trying to make sure the house is running or you know later on if mum's back at work so you're both working you're both trying to navigate you know raising your children how do you how do you prioritize that relationship like what do you do to make it work because you really can be just ships like sailing past each other in the night. You don't even realize like you share a bed, you wake up, you say hello to each other, and then you're both out the door doing what you need to do for the rest of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Look, good question. Um, look, I think, and this is my opinion. Um, I think if we look at all the other aspects of our lives, a lot of it, most of it, if not all of it seems to be, planned there's a plan and a structure mm. pre-thought premeditated actually planned for us to do things we go to work at certain times dinners at a certain time we've got a schedule routine for the kids when they come home they do certain things chores homework bath prayer bed at a certain time um, oh. service church starts at a certain time sunday schools at a certain time even you know things um you know that you know outside of all that our kids sports soccer trainings at a certain time swimming's at a certain so Everything is planned, everything is scheduled, and we put a lot of effort into everything else to make sure everything aligns, to make sure things don't overlap, to make sure we have the capacity to be at this place at this time, blah, blah. And for some, and I haven't figured it out yet, but for some strange reason, we all just seem to wing our marriages. We don't mm. put in, I think, anywhere near as much effort in all these other things that we do in our life you know when it, when it comes to our marriages a lot of the time for a lot of us nothing's planned nothing's pre-thought nothing we don't sit down and you know prioritize our marriages enough to say this is what we need to do this is how we're going to do it 
and and put a, a, a tangible plan in place to 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 pay attention to our marriages and to you know to spend time together and to prioritize our our relationships and to do what we need to do and i think you know for we, we wing our marriages and it's not wingable like something else takes priority something will always come up you're tired you forget your schedule's so busy that there's no time left over there'll always be something um so i think if we don't consciously put in everyone says marriage is hard work marriage is hard work marriage is hard work. yes marriage is hard work it's a, it's it's a, it's a, yes it's hard work and hard work requires effort hard work requires thought hard work requires prioritization hard work requires getting together and brainstorming and figuring out and problem solving and agreeing and making decisions blah 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 and yeah i think for a lot of us we don't do that in our in our relationships and marriages you know like we do it in pretty much every other aspect of our life and i you know i i i've said it like a lot in you know in different talks and conversations we, we seem to put in even the effort and the resources that we do have we seem to put it to all these other areas you know we go to work and we do a good job and we do learning and development and we do courses and we try and be better and we get promotions and we you know we do so much at work to succeed even our parenting we'll go to parenting courses and read books and you know join mums groups and see how everyone else is disciplining and you know we'll try to be as good of a parent as as we can servants church you know we'll serve we'll prepare sunday school lessons we'll give talks we'll go to you know we'll be timely we'll do as much we'll go out feeding the poor whatever it is we'll serve um for a lot of us culturally um there's a lot of you know like wagon that we have to do with our families responsibilities we have to visit our families we have family dinner every whatever night we're always there because our parents can't be upset we visit you know tita and get door because you know whatever you know like <laughs> we do a lot of that we put so much effort into that our homes we clean we cook we mow we do so much we put so much effort into every aspect of our life and yeah i i don't know why but we don't do it for our marriages let's kind of try and and kind of dig deeper into the not knowing why what sort of things have you found that tend to lead people down this path of not really putting effort into their marriage anymore specifically after kids for men and women uh, i i would say complacency i think we get complacent mm. i think we take our spouses for granted a lot of the time they our partners are just always there you know whether that's good or bad mm. i don't know but they're always there they're, they're <laughs> there married to them the deal's done you know when no one's going anywhere it's and 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 that's that's it you know and you know work is is work, like you know a lot rides on all this other stuff we have to raise that if if we don't attend to our kids they're not going to eat they're not going to sleep they're not going to get to school if we don't go to work we get fired if we don't clean our house it's a disaster if we don't go to church we're not you know it's on our conscience you know like all these other things you know we we i don't think we take things like that for granted or we get as complacent in all these other areas like we do you know with our marriages um and again i, I think it's our outlook and how we see things if we genuinely you know assess and say to ourselves you know all of this stuff that i'm putting so much effort into it all actually rides on my marriage you know if my marriage is solid then it, you know i i'll i'll achieve and i'll excel in a lot of other these you know a lot of these other areas but if my marriage isn't and 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 i don't have 
a, a good marriage or, or a Christian marriage or a, or a happy marriage, then all the, a lot of this stuff's going to be affected, guaranteed. Guaranteed a lot of this stuff will be affected. And I think if we look at it like that and convince ourselves that and remind ourselves of that, we'll be more inclined to, to not be complacent and to allocate some of our effort, our resources, our, our brain cells to, to our relationships, um, you know, like, like we do all these other areas. I guess after kids, um, it is really easy to be complacent. And you're right, this, this other person is really just there, a lifeline at the end of the day when you've been home with the kids and it's like, they're your problem now. Like, <laughs> I'm done, I'm tapping out. Um, but I guess for women, you know, I, I know a lot of us struggle with body image issues um, and insecurities after we've we've had kids and obviously comparison plays a big role last last um, two episodes ago we spoke about body image and the, the issues that that really drain us um, and drain our mental health and I feel like a lot of us carry that in our marriages post kids what are some things that both the husband and wife can do to overcome some of these complexes or some of these false narratives that we keep feeding ourselves? Yeah. Um, look, I, I think, look, husband and wife, I think they, they can do different things. I think for the husband, um, and look, I'm, I'm not talking on behalf of women, but I, I think a, a lot of that, like if, if those thoughts are there for, for a wife, I think a lot of it would have to do with her husband, how her husband perceives her, how she thinks she looks in front of her husband, things that her husband says, the ways her husband looks at her, you know, like I think some of it, a lot of it, you know, could could be coming from the husband. And I think for us as husbands, we need to be aware of that, you know. Our, you know, our wives, you know, care about what we think and they want to impress us and they want us to love them and they want to feel comfortable and confident with us and we have a responsibility there like we have to factor in you know what we're doing or we're not doing um you know that and having a hand in in that in that area um so i think yeah we we, we need to be be conscious of that um and we need to you know provide our wives with with what they need or with what you know makes them happy makes them confident makes them comfortable and genuinely you know like we you know we we need to express that a lot of the time we're not good at expressing that um as males we, we're not so good with the words with the affirmations with the compliments with the you know confidence boost with the acknowledgement with the validation when when i, I think yeah I, I think for some of for a lot of us that that requires a lot of work um but it's it's necessary like it's it's needed it is what it is and i think you know education plays a big part in that if we can you know understand our partner both ways you know husbands and wives if we can better understand like for a husband if i can better understand females and if i can better understand my wife and i can better understand how her mind works how her heart works how her emotions work how they're all tied together um with that understanding i can adapt my behavior i can adapt the way i interact with her I, I i know what she likes i know what she needs i know what she appreciates i know what makes a difference to her um, and then with that knowledge i use that knowledge to you know in, in the way i interact with her and the exact same you know for for women in regards to what what their husbands need and yeah um sort of for fulfilling that need on both ends 
Um, and look for, yeah, for look, uh, not to deflect, but I, I'll put the question back to you guys as females. You know, ha, yeah, tips or or suggestions on how a, a woman can affect sort of any any sort of change in that area for herself. Sorry, I know you guys are the hosts and I'm the guest, but. <laughs> Nice, yeah. no, sly, sly. Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> uh, I actually, I've, we've been reading um, a book we mentioned last week about the mothers meeting at uh, St. Mark's um, that's open to all mums on Tuesdays. We've also broken off of that and started a book club and the book we're reading at the moment is called The Well-Watered Woman. Um, and she actually um, speaks about these lies that we believe this this false narrative that we're almost fed by comparing ourselves um, and the lies that Satan gets us to believe as mums as women um, and one of the lies well, a lot of it around body image and insecurity comes from comparison and we look at other mums and we're like oh look they've you know I, I use the term bounce back because that's what gets thrown around but look they've bounced back after kids so quickly and so gracefully, that's not the case with me. Or I look different and I compare myself to my old self and who I used to be, what I used to look like and how I used to be in my marriage. Um, and so she says we need to actually sit and reflect on all of these false narratives that we're believing, all of these lies, and try and find the scriptural truths to combat them directly. And that's like our own personal reflection that we should do. Um, but also to acknowledge that we're evolving. You know, we're not who we were before. We need to first acknowledge that, yes, that is true, that I'm not the same person. I'm a mom now. I've changed physically. I've changed emotionally. My faith may have changed. Um, I am a different person. Uh, and so I need to now embrace this new person and find out what she can do and who she is and you know, where her place is in the world. Um, but none of that is going to come unless I first eliminate the lies that are telling me I'm not good enough and replace them with the truth of the gospel um, and know that Christ loves me even though I'm weak, even though I'm nothing, and that I'm enough for him and I'm enough for him to work his magic through my weaknesses. So it's it's a hard reflection and I think it it doesn't come very easy especially once you're thrown into parenthood and you're, you're thrown into all of these um, complexities that you didn't know existed uh, and you have to try and navigate this new role. But we really need to, like you said, we need to actually put in the work. This is for my marriage. This is for my relationship with God and my husband. And this is ultimately the witness that I'm leaving for my kids in the world. So I do need to invest that time in prayer, in reflection, in reading scripture and truly um, getting to know who I am now. And I think what you said from the guy's perspective, that 100% helps, you know, like no matter what you look like, what you've done, you, you know, you you look disheveled, you've been spending the entire day crying and then your husband comes and says, oh, you've never looked more beautiful. It could be a total lie, but it makes massive difference mm. just hearing that it's like oh thanks mm. um mm. so uh, yeah i i like that i definitely really like that point um but uh, yeah that's that's just something i read that i that i thought 
is is a good practice for all of us to get into. And yeah, when when you, and that's it's a it's a great way to look at it. And when you said false narrative, I think that's important for for women to to you know to dig a bit deeper. Is is how they feel about themselves or how they see themselves reality in regards to how their husband sees them or how their friends see them or how other mums see them or how the community sees them or or is it not reality and that's not how their husbands or others see them and it is how they they see themselves um which is you know still important not downplaying how how people see themselves but you know we can create this false reality in our minds where this is the way everyone sees us or this is or convincing ourselves that the negativity that we have others see this negativity as well when a lot of the time it's not the case um and i i'd also encourage people that may feel like that like as a standalone sort of topic you know how how i look physically when they look in the mirror yes you know a lot of us may look and not like what we see fine but in, in the biggest, like I'd encourage people to think and take their mind in the biggest scheme of things and looking much broader in a bigger picture, you know, you know, from a priority perspective with everything else going on in their lives, how big of a priority or how important is how I look compared to other things? So if, if a woman feels this way, but she thinks, you know, I've got a loving husband who's always said he, he loves me and he's never shown me any, you know, anything but at least in that area. I've, you know, I look this way because I've got two healthy children. Thank God, you know, there are children and families out there that are nowhere near as fortunate as me. I, you know, I'm a woman of faith. Thank God I have my church. I have community. I'm, I'm a daughter of Christ, you know, and I, and I have that belief. And, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, not struggling and I'm, I'm able to feed my, so all, and I've got a job and I've got a family and my parents are around the corner and I've got, see, blah, blah, blah. So putting how I look into perspective in regards to an overall big picture of all these other aspects of, you know, that person's life, it may put it into context a little bit. And even if you look in the mirror, you're not 100% happy with what you see. It's okay, because if you look at all these other aspects, you're very happy with what you see, you know. I like that because I think, you know, it can be overwhelming and it, I think it occupies a lot of a lot of mind space for a lot of women. Um, you know, I don't know if it's the same for men, but but I know for a lot of women it is. It's just this overwhelming, like, preoccupation with, like, how you look. And I think you're right. When you look at everything else, why is that the one thing that we're focusing on? Why is that the thing that's holding us back? Um you know, and why are we so quick to discount the opinions of our husbands who do love us? And like, if they're saying to, you know, I love you, I love how you look, you look amazing to me. I appreciate what you're doing for our family. I appreciate the fact that, you know, you've grown these humans. I appreciate the fact that you're dedicating your time to, you know, keeping our family going. Sometimes our inner voices are louder than um, the external voices that we hear. And we just have to learn to kind of not silence them, but kind of say, okay, I acknowledge this is what you're saying, but the overwhelming evidence around me um, and the overwhelming um, message that I'm getting externally is is the complete opposite of what that inner voice is telling you. And so to learn to listen to that more than to what's going on inside or using it to kind of counteract what's going on inside, I think is important because I'm sure it doesn't feel great for our husbands too when like we're saying, to them well it's nice that you said all of this but still I feel this way and it doesn't matter what you think that's not like 
I don't think that's yeah. nice. Yeah. And and I think as well, like, mm. you know, the, the inner voice might might be louder and maybe it's and maybe not even I mean, not even silencing it or not just silencing it, maybe just changing the, the tone of the voice or asking different questions like what's what is my priority? Is my priority to look good above all these other things? And and ask yourself, you know, that that friend of mine that has bounced back really, really well and she looks fantastic. Great. But, you know, is she happy? You know, does she have a good marriage? Um, does she struggle financially to make ends meet or, you know, or does she not, is she content with where she's at in life with her, like all these other things and where does it sit on the priority or would I rather, you know, look good, but not have, you know, all, all these other things or why has she bounced back so good? Is her, has her husband very unhappy with the way she looked and he kept making some horrible comments and it forced her, you know, to bounce back really quickly because she felt horrible, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's there's always a lot more than what we focus on in on this topic there's so much more than than just how we look physically and even if that's not where we want it to be if we focus on that solely and if that's on our number one priority list then yes we're going to feel horrible but if we put it into perspective and we ask these different questions and we focus on on different things and we 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 put it in its place in the bigger picture then maybe it won't be so bad we keep saying, you know, everybody struggles, everybody struggles, but what are some, what are some red flags, Kira? What are some things that like you see um, as a professional and you say, yep, that's not normal or that's, that's a concerning struggle. That's something that needs to be like identified and, and treated like professionally. Yeah. Um, look, the, within our relationships, look, there, there's, Problems and there's problems. I think some non obviously non-negotiables are non-negotiables. If there's any sort of violence, if there's any sort of abuse, if there's anything like that, then that's that's not you know that's not a matter of marriage counselling. That's you know there's something happening that needs to stop. Um, so marriage counselling maybe can can start or you know some other sort of intervention. So there's some black and whites that you know we, we can't sort of have feature in in any of our relationships. Um, there's also things that, you know, like stop, you know, marriages from flourishing or, or they're, they're a huge barrier that we need to address. If you're talking things like, you know, significant mental health concerns or traumas or things that, you know, have not been dealt with, then those things will be recurring, you know, if they haven't been sorted, if they haven't been processed, if they haven't been dealt with and overcome, then they'll always feature. And a lot of the time with that stuff, the more they feature, the more they intensify and they get worse and they, you know, congregate with other problems and they, you know, and, and it just it ends up being disastrous. Um, so, yeah, there's things, yeah, any sort of abuse, um, any trauma um, or, or significant sort of mental health concerns, barriers from stopping a couple from sorting through issues, they, they need to be addressed before anything else. Um you know, if thankfully that stuff isn't there and it's, you know, marital problems like run-of-the-mill marital problems, marital conflict, arguments, communication problems, um, you know, things that trigger, you know, within the marriage and, and cause problems, then there's, you know, there's there's different things, you know, that, that can be done. And look, I mean, you know, I think culturally for us, you know, this topic of you know, counselling is, is a tricky one. I think there's still, you know, stigma to it. And, you know, us as a community, I think, you know, we're not, 
I think culturally for us, we're not that open, you know, with our problems and bringing people in and we're, you know, we are somewhat private and, you know, things in the home tend to stay in the home and, you know, um, and I think, you know, that, that, that slowly needs to change, you know, for, for the better, you know, there's no harm. And in a way, we, you know, when it comes to Abuna, for example, a lot of us are, are okay with that culturally, you know, we'll go to our priest and, and seek help and, you know, we confess to a priest so they know anything, everything anyway. Um, so, so we'll go get their help, which is great. Um, but, you know, and there, there is, you know, specific and targeted sort of interventions that can help couples, um, you know, with this kind of thing, things like marriage counseling, things like individual counseling, um, you know, the, yeah, there's there's different things that we can do. And I think if it gets to that point where couples, you know, they're having the same fights or the same arguments or the fights and arguments are intensifying and they're getting worse or it's a recurring problem that they can't seem, you know, to, to get over and everything's always linked to this one or two sort of recurring themes or anything like that, um, then you, you, you look at sort of the next step. I guess, you know, I, I label it as, you know, we take the least intrusive way possible first, obviously. You know, we try to sort our problems. We try to communicate. We, we try to deal with things as best as we can. Um, if we can't, you definitely we involve, you know, our, our priest or maybe another trusted family member that can try and support us and, and mediate, you know, between us. Um, if it's still, you know, problematic, um, you know, with, with the guidance of our, our spiritual father, we look at other options. If we do need to see a marriage counsellor, if one of one or both partners do have a mental health issue that they need to get professional help for, or you know, or something like that. Um, so we keep chipping away at, at the problem and trying different things until we can we can find a solution. Because I think, you know, I often see people who kind of go, like, I honestly think my relationship is broken. Like, I'm at the point where we can't go back, like, I see more women than men so often it's from a female perspective but you know you know lots of things like you know he just doesn't understand he doesn't get it he doesn't realize what you know doing all the things that I do feels like he doesn't understand what it's like to you know manage like working and what feels like the majority of the housework he doesn't understand why I get upset when he's out all day with his friends and he comes home and, you know, and I'm not happy. Like those are things that I kind of see a lot. And a lot of women that I see feel like that that's just it. Like they just don't feel supported. They don't feel like they will ever be supported and they are just ready to kind of not necessarily walk away, but they almost give up. They disengage. Like you can just see it in their, in their faces, in their manner that they've disengaged from that relationship what like what do you do at that point like if if the complaint is he doesn't understand or i'm sure it happens the other way around what do you do how do you come how do you come back from that look and i'm guessing you know that the, the the partner has done as much as they can to explain um you know and and to 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 sort of you know educate their spouse and try to explain why they feel the way they feel the impact having on them and things like that and it's to no avail um you know, uh, the marriage counselling, it's its the, the the setup of marriage counselling or as a third party, even, you know, whoever's involved, it, it's effective in the sense that, you know, this thing where, you know, your, your spouse can tell you something and you don't hear it because it's your spouse. Your mate can tell you the exact same thing word for word and it will end, you know. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing. Same with our kids. Ultimately. <laughs> something they won't have a bar of it my brother uncle mina will word for word will say the exact same thing and <laughs> full compliance it's amazing um so i think just the setup 
of marriage counseling, having an impartial person there, you know, mediating and explaining things and, and, you know, doing it in a way where, you know, people can understand better and, and acknowledge and, and, and see, you know, the, the perspective from the other person can be, you know, really, really helpful. Um, and, and explaining it to them in a way, even, and, and no, no criticism against, you know, people, but sometimes the way they're communicating is not effective. If, if a woman is frustrated, husband doesn't get it, or he's always, you know, doing this, or he's not attending to needs, or he doesn't understand, you know, all that stuff in, you know, in her emotional state, in her frustration, in her fed upness, in, in whatever, she may not be communicating that effectively, um, or in his, you know, defensiveness or his anger or his whatever, he may not be able to hear. So being in a different setting, it being packaged in a, in a, and presented in a different way sometimes is, is all that's needed. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll be honest, I think the problem with that stuff is as well, marriage counselling or involving sort of a third party seems to be a very last resort. So I'll have couples come 15 years in, you know, on the brink of divorce and it's escalated like it never has before. And, and the last step, you know, before someone packs their bags and leaves is, is marriage counselling where, you know, and I, and I sort of use the, the, the analogy like, you know, if you get in early, you, you have a better chance of, of fixing the problems, you know. And, you know, the medical listeners, I use the example, it's probably a horrible example, but I use the example of cancer. You know, if you catch, catch cancer early, you can treat it, you can fix it, you can medicate, you can chemo, you can do what you need to do and, and you'll get it. You, you come in stage four or, you know, later on, it's done a lot of damage sometimes, you know, a lot of time irreparable damage and, and it's, you know, it's, it's really hard to come back from. 15 years of problems, 10 years of problems, resentment, trauma, mm. and you're coming in the, in the, in the 11th hour it would have been a lot better if, if you came a lot earlier. Um, so, you know, say to couples, if you are having issues, if you've tried, if you've, you know, given it everything you have and you're still feeling like that, there's, there's no harm or shame in, in going to the next step um, and, and trying to get different different kind of help. Mm, I work in cancer care, so that was a <laughs> great analogy for me. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I hope I, did I use the right terminology? That was perfect. That was, it was, it was all good. <laughs> no, it was, it was good. Um, just on the the point, obviously you've mentioned communication a lot um, and bringing it up in the right environment. Can you give us some pointers? One on what sort of environment you're talking about and how to set that up if you want to bring up something sensitive. And two, how we can frame certain questions because, um, you know, some of us, like you said, the question comes out really emotionally fueled, um, and no matter how hard we try, there's always that fuel that's propelling it in the wrong direction. Um, so one, what sort of, how can we change that environment? What can we put in place to have that discussion? And two, what sort of specific ways we can ask these questions? Yeah, look, I think uh, the first thing I think in regards to communication, we, we need to understand there's there's a lot of deal breakers that, that a lot of us sort of aren't aware of or, or we don't sort of factor in when we come to have a difficult discussion with a spouse. Anytime we feature any disrespect, any anger, any aggressive body language, loud voices, swearing, um, 
accusations, aggressiveness, anything like that, you, you, the conversation's doomed. Like rarely is someone out of control, angry, blaming, you know, their face like this and loud voice and whatever, and the other person's understandable. And, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yep, I'm so sorry. I, I get it. It's, it's not going to happen. So I think, you know, that there are certain things that can't feature in a difficult conversation if you want that conversation to be successful. Um, and that's for each individual to, to be aware of that and, and be aware of how they're coming into the discussion. So if you are angry, if you're frustrated, if you're swearing, if you're aggressive, if you're being disrespectful, don't, don't waste your time. And I think we need the wisdom and the self-reflection to know when we're able to have such a conversation and when we're not. And that's personal strategy that we need to implement, whether we take a breather, time out, whether we, you know, remove ourselves, whether we, we, we call it, you know, look, I'm really angry. This conversation's not going to go well. Please give me 20 minutes and, I, and I'll come back. Anything like that. Mm. Um, I think that's the, sort of the first mistake we do when we're trying to have a difficult discussion um, with, with our spouse. I, I think a good strategy for us, and look, I know this is very easy to say, and in the moment, it's very hard to implement. Look, I, I get it. Mm. Um, but you know, even if we can try and think of these things, you know, and reflect on these things when we're not angry and we're not there yet. So when we are, we have a better chance of a conversation sort of going this way. I think, you know, our conversations have an aim. We want to achieve, if we're going to raise something with our partner, we have an aim. We want to achieve something. We're not just, you know, telling them off and then walking away. And a lot of the time we want them to understand the impact they're having on us, how we feel, how it made us feel, why, you know, what they did or what they said was not nice or not okay or, you know, how, how it impacts. So there's an element of educating the other person through this discussion. So rather than just blaming and accusing and finger pointing and saying you did this, 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 okay, we, 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 he probably already knows that or she probably already knows that because she was there. Um, so rather than taking that approach, you know, it's all probably they don't know that because they, they saw it completely differently, whatever. But um, but rather than sort of putting it like that, you know, educating them, explaining to them the impact they've had or how you feel. And and a way to do that is, you know, we've all heard it before, using, for example, I statements, you know, talking on, on behalf of myself, you know, I felt whatever. Or when this happened, it made me feel whatever. Or you have to understand when you say these things in my head or in my heart or whatever, this is the impact that it has. So you're giving the other person a heads up. You know, this is what's happening for me when you do these things rather than you, 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 and then, you know, a few words here and there and, and see you later. Or, or, or a defensive response and then it just escalates and, and it goes nowhere. So I think, you know, for us, before having a difficult conversation, what are we trying to achieve? What do you want the outcome to be? Um, you know, and, and then doing our best to, to package it, present it in that way um, to the other person. Yeah, so not like in passing as they're coming in busy, setting aside the time, waiting till the kids are asleep, <laughs> when everyone is, yeah, got it. Like, timing, timing is everything. Timing is everything. And, and we know our spouse as well. We know them well enough. If we've been married to them for 10 minutes, we know them well enough to know when the mood they're in, when we can approach them, when's the best time. We know their language. We know their, you know, the, the, the day they've had. And we know, we know as well our approach. We know 
what if we've had enough conversations with them a lot of the times there would have been bad conversations and we know and if we reflect okay maybe i shouldn't have said this or if i came you know this so you know we know what works and what doesn't so we need to call on all that knowledge we have a wealth of knowledge on our spouse we and we're you know out of that in some way we know them better than they know themselves we claim to you know we have so much knowledge. we know exactly their intentions their ins and outs what they like what they don't like you know their weaknesses their strength we know them you know like the back of our hand so if that's the case then we should use the knowledge to to you know when we approach them when we confront them when we criticize them when we want them to to be aware of a certain thing we should call on all that knowledge and i think all like the responsibility is always on the individual a lot of the time whatever's inside will come out if we're frustrated frustration will come out if we're happy we'll be laughing and talking happy and, and being nice so usually whatever's inside comes out and again that requires you know a bit of insight and, and, and self-reflection for us to be aware okay this is the state i'm in i, I know what's going to come out it's not good let me you know change states or let me be in, in a different sort of realm before i have this session mm-hmm. and look another strategy I don't mean to get spiritual, but another strategy is like, you know, calling on God in those times. Like, you know, if if we know we've got negativity inside us because we're livid and we know that's going to come out. So, you know, we can we can a quick arrow prayer or, or five seconds to, to bring him into the conversation. And if we do, negativity won't come out. God, like God directing something will never be bad, will never be negative, will never be aggressive, will never be disrespectful. So if we know our weakness and we know we don't, we're so angry, we don't have what it takes to have a normal conversation because we want to murder the person in front of us, mm-hmm. then, you know, we should be. <laughs> and, and let's put ourselves aside and, and, and bring him into it. Um, mm-hmm. It's very effective. You know, mm-hmm. quick prayer in that moment, God will never not listen to that. It's so genuine. It's a cry for help. Mm-hmm. You know, we're most vulnerable. He'll, he'll never turn that, you know, away what do you do like how do you i think i think sometimes what often happens is people just ignore things and they will like there'll be something that's bothering them for a long time and i know it's something like i've definitely done in the past i'm sure i do it still but where you just expect your partner to realize Mm -hmm. that you want a b or c done or that you feel this particular way like how do you how do you counteract that I guess how do you kind of how do you make sure that you're expressing your needs because I think honestly I think sometimes you just it's like this you you just expect your partner to know what you need what's a way that we can practically avoid falling into that trap of just assuming that they've got it all worked out and then being frustrated with them that they haven't magically read our minds that you know I really wanted to do this today and you didn't you didn't do it but we haven't said anything yeah. what what's a way of stopping that um yeah look that's that's a, a great question look I think if we look if if we if we think of it logically and 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 we think about it beforehand we'll we'll realize that that's an unrealistic expectation or or a lot of the time, maybe not all the time, a lot of the time. Um, And, you know, and if, and if we come, look, a lot of this stuff, look, that we we need to take responsibility for this stuff. I think if we we get better and I know people say, you know, if you talk to yourself, it's a sign of madness, not really. (laughs) If we can have a conversation with ourselves prior 
I think we'll, we'll it, so much clarity can come from that. So if we know that, it's how are they going to know? Well, I didn't communicate it. Okay, or I expected them to and they didn't, then I'll just communicate it and I'll communicate it in, in a better way. Or if, you know, if this is a recurring thing, okay, they're, they're not going to get it. Their brain's different than mine. Their perspective is different than mine. They don't, they don't understand. This isn't a priority for them, you know? And a lot of the time it's basic stuff. No, no, for me, you know, there's a lot of expectations where, you know, I, and, and, it, and it is, I should, I should know, I'll walk past something, I should pick it up, but I, I don't see it. I genuinely, I don't see it, you know? So, you know, over time knows, okay, he's actually that dumb and that blind. He doesn't mean to, he's not doing it out of space. He's actually just that simple and that dumb. Then it, it won't hurt. Hey, can you pick that up? Or can you do this? Or, you know, I just remind mm -hmm. you, you know, and, and sometimes it can be an easy fix, like, a, you know, uh, a gentle reminder or request mm. or, a, you know, uh, even even if you're confronting the person, the way you do it, you know, I know you don't mean to, but, you know, you know, you haven't done this or you ha you said you have, you will and you haven't, or, mm. you know, this is really important to me. And, you know, I, a big one, for example, mm. um, you know, I think a lot of wives, for example, like um, things like cards you know things like that something meaningful something intimate and i think a lot of husbands you know we we know that but it, it's just not in our brains we'll go buy the expensive <laughs> gift and we'll go put in a lot of effort in the gift whatever but the meaningful sentimental telling our wives what they mean to us we just always miss that so that's common expectation that wives have of husbands that husbands tend to genuinely fail in um so the approach from the wife in those circumstances, they can do things different leading up to it. Hey, just reminding you, I know you're generous with your money, but I don't want a gift. I want a car, you know, anything funny, like whatever prompt. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice casual prompts. But again, look, calling on that knowledge. If you know your husband doesn't get this, or if you know your husband's got a male brain and he, you know, this doesn't trigger in his mind or he's hopeless at this or this is so many times he's let me down in this area and you know that, then to keep having that expectation, you're going to keep being disappointed and keep being upset. So I think if you have that knowledge, mm. use that knowledge mm. to do it differently the, the next time around. Mm. We, we do this thing with our um, daughter where at the end of her day, we ask her a few questions. So what's one thing that made you happy? What's one thing that made you sad? What's one thing you wanted to change? Um, I feel like that's a very nice way to end the day with your significant other, with your spouse. Just simple, you know, instead of having the business meeting at the end of the day, like, okay, who's dropping off the kids? Who's picking them up? Who's who's on this? Who's on this duty? And it, it does end up being like a business meeting and we go through our calendar for the day just ending that with some time to just talk about, okay, what's one thing that made you really happy today? You know, what's one thing that wasn't so great? Um, and, you know, what, what do you want to change? Did I do anything, you know, that you want to talk to me about? And you kind of open the floor for that. Um, it's not something we do. We do it with our four-year-old. But I'm like, oh, it would be a nice thing to bring into a marriage, just a nice little casual conversation instead of waiting for things to escalate um yeah can i just sorry just on that point say something like that and I, and I think it's brilliant and i think that goes back to what we said in the very beginning something like that in a marriage that will take a conversation and that will take an agreement and then that will take effort to to enact that 
So if, if a couple sits down and says, look, you know, it's really good to get that feedback from each other. We do it with the kids. It works awesome. We've gotten to know so much more about what they like, what they enjoy during the day, what they don't. This would be really good for us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That'll be good for us. Let's do it. That That's the effort we're talking about. And that's the structure and the plan. So, you know, you put your alarm on for 9.30 p.m. every night to have that five-minute discussion with your spouse, you know, to make sure that you're putting in that effort because that works for you or that's important or that's beneficial for your marriage and you put see if we if we wing our marriages we won't do that at night time we watch some netflix we crash we're really tired whatever and just normal whereas if we consciously plan and put in that effort strategies like that or, or things like that little things like that that don't take a lot of time don't really take a lot of effort it's just pre-thought pre-planned agreed on and we implement it could make the biggest differences in our marriage and I like that because like, I think sometimes we think that to make time for each other or to create mean of meaningful connection, we have to do these like big things. Like we have to go away together or we have to, you know, go out for dinner together, which like those things are important. I'm not saying they're not important, but one, they're not practical for everybody because not everybody has access to like help and the means to be able to do that. Um, and if you do, I think that's important to make a regular thing. But we do. I think that's a trap I fall into. Like I can't make I can't make a meaningful connection when all I've got is like an hour at the end of the day. You know, by the time we've got the kids down, we've done you know dinner, all of that. So you're right. Like I think, I think that's just a nice little reminder that it's not. It doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Um, but it does take commitment, and it does take like consistency rather than just assuming that you know once every month we're going to meet up and do this and do that like that's not going to do anything definitely definitely um so i think um we did mention about uh sort of problems uh things that are red flags um things that might be just marriage problems that need uh counseling um and a healthy way to work through things but I think it's important to mention that sometimes for both men and women, there are physical, sometimes physical or physiological barriers to developing further intimacy with one another. And for lack of a better term, to reigniting that spark becomes almost impossible um, because you're really struggling with things. And a lot of, you, you know, there's a statistic of like 70 percent or something of women experience a loss of libido after having kids and also men can have that same experience so not discounting their experience too but if we fall if if someone feels like they fall into that basket um which is a fair large basket um of people who are struggling with um you know actual physical or physiological barriers to bettering their relationship or pursuing that intimacy with their partners. If someone feels like they're in that basket, one, how do they, how can you bring that up sensitively and, and in a way that's not going to hurt the relationship with your partner, with your husband or wife? Um, and two, what's the next step after that? So once you've acknowledged it's a problem, bringing it up and then working through that. Yeah. Look, I think whoever's bringing it up 
has to acknowledge it's very sensitive and it needs to be brought up very, very sensitively. Um, and again, that responsibility is on that individual. Um, I think, again, probably like maybe using again, I statements and, and talking from your own perspective of the impact it's having. If a couple, they're not, you know, as intimate with each other anymore physically, or that, you know, that, you know, that their marriage has taken a hit in that regard, you know, raising that gently and sensitively from their own perspective, you know, this is the impact it's having on me. I love you. You're my partner. You know, this is a part of our marriage and it's, and it's not happening, you know, for whatever reason. And this is the impact it's having on me and, and gently sort of explaining that rather than you not interested, you're always tired, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's it's definitely not going to get get anywhere, you know, done like that. Um, so I think that the first step of, of how you raise it, I think, you know, is very very important. And I'm no expert in this area at all, um, but to, to my understanding, it's it either be a psychological barrier or a medical barrier. You guys will probably know much more about this than I do. Um, so you know, I, I think it's. You know, and 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 when the when this when the person raises that, and, and we can have that discussion, you know, the couple can have that discussion to try to start figuring out, you know, what the issue is. Is it because of kids and they're just tired and spent? There actually isn't a real issue. They're just tired. And then the discussion is, okay, how can we allocate time? How can we sort through it? I know you're tired. I'm tired too. But you know, this is our marriage. You know, is at risk. You know, this is you know this this needs to to be worked through. You know, and and then we can strategize. You know, we can. Put some time aside we can organize you know date night if we do have the resources our kids can sleep over at Teta's house one night you know like we can problem solve that if it's that easy um if it if it is you know a deeper trauma you know a psychological problem something that's happened something that's said um you know something like that well then you know to start having you know problem solving if we, if we understand what the problem is gent gently respectfully sensitively if we can start to have the discussion to find out what the problem is and then we can once we know what the problem is we can sort of decide on on the best way um to deal with it but definitely your, your approach and 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 the person needs to factor that in if you want intimacy back in your relationship if you feel it's lacking if you're impacted by it then you need to do the best you can to make sure you solve that problem and the responsibility is on you how you broach the topic how you approach the other person how you confront how you have the discussion um because that's that's very sensitive i think especially for 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 both but yeah that can be a very very sensitive topic mm. and it would be hard for the guys to bring it up as well thinking that this is mostly usually a, a woman problem mm -hmm. um and it kind of it puts them in a in a basket that people, you know, you, they might not think that most men fit into. Um, but it's important to note that men go through it too and men can have the same issues after, you know, um, becoming parents for whatever reason. Um, and, yeah, like acknowledging it's a problem, acknowledging that this needs to be worked on, like you said, Kiro, I think is a very important step. Like this is something that, is affecting your marriage, which we've established from the beginning of this conversation. This is something that requires our time and our effort and we need to invest so much into it. And if something is a barrier to that, it needs to be worked on. And I guess um, not speaking from, you know, the medical or the psychological causes, causes um, of, the, of lack of intimacy, but 
if it is a matter of, like you said, overwhelm or feeling exhausted or just burdened by the role um, of being a parent, um, this one was definitely St. John Chrysostom because I wrote it down. Uh, so this is the correct reference. Um, but he says, uh, he says, um, love is more difficult than obedience. And if what you start with is just obedience to the role that you have as a husband or a wife, then love will follow. Um, it's all, it's, and he quotes, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and, and all things will be added to you. So if I'm really obeying the commandment that was given to me at the marriage ceremony, if I am obedient to that and I am fulfilling my duty as a husband or a wife, and again, this is not physical or, um, you know, medical or psychological barriers specifically. This is just a feeling um, that I might be too tired or too overwhelmed to play the role of wife or play, I say play, but that's essentially what we see it as at the end of the day, um, to give myself to someone else after I've been attacked by kids all day. Um, he says, you know, love is harder than obedience. So start with obedience, obey the commandment that was given to you um, and love will follow. Definitely. Yeah. Um, these issues can creep up even before kids. Um, so once you get married and you are um, now intimate with your husband or wife and things don't go as you thought or as you planned and you, you know, so many couples suffer through that, like you said, for so long thinking that whatever, like maybe it's a compatibility issue or maybe it's um, a me issue or this will pass or things will get better and things don't get better. So it's, like you said, it's really important to then involve, you know, your health professional. And like Kira said early, get to the bottom of the, you know, the root of the problem early so that things improve early um, and you can actually um, work towards improving your relationship and not have this strain that could be fixed, that could be prevented in the future. Definitely. And I think, look, there's also the, the point of shame and embarrassment and people not getting the help they need, whether it's intimate sexual problem, whether it's just marriage counselling, whatever it is, it, you know, I think it's a it's a real thing, um, you know, for, for a lot of us. And 
you know, social media doesn't help our society, you know, the way it is now, it doesn't help. We, you know, we're, we're made to believe everyone's happy and no one has any issues, but, mm. and when you feel like that, yes, you, you're going to be less inclined to get help or to expose yourself, you know, put yourself out there as you have a certain issue when you're the only one, no one else has that issue. And, you know, to, mm. to all your listeners that, that may listen to this, I, I can tell you that's such rubbish, like every single Everyone, everyone, every single one of us, everyone, every marriage, everyone has something going on that, you know, and, you know, regardless of what's on Facebook and Insta and, and all this rubbish. Um, and, and, and a lot of the time, I think for guys, I, I think women may be a bit more inclined to share with each other and talk to their girlfriends or their sister or their best friend and, and share all that stuff. And, oh, really, I have the same problem or this happened. Yes, yes, I can understand, blah, blah, blah. Whereas guys don't do that at all. We never do that. We will never do that. So for a guy to have the issue, having never spoken to anyone else, never been exposed to anyone else's issue, and genuinely believe everyone else is normal and I'm the only one with this problem, they're not going to get help. Um, so I think it's really important to not normalize, but just to acknowledge, you know, there's, you know, these problems are very out there and, and you know, no, no one's alone. Um, so to get help for, for the issues that you have, even just marriage counseling, everyone else has got a perfect marriage. No one fights like us. No one else has problems. Everyone's happy. Look at how they are. Look at their holiday and their pictures on Facebook and whatever. And we're the only ones like this. Mm. It's not, not the case at all. Um, yeah. So definitely getting getting that help. Just just on that, when you when we're talking about not psychological and not medical, but just the you know the the, the other side. I think like I, I as an example, how you know these problems can sometimes be overcome just by a conversation, just a simple conversation mm. that has never been had. Um, some of it can be about expectations. I had a couple who that's exactly how it happened. They were married, happy, and no worries. They had kids and and things sort of went downhill in that area. And then, you know, things, you know, weren't good for a while. And, and, and I was sort of supporting them with marriage counseling. And it was only until we had the discussion and asked them, what do you guys, what's your expectation? What do you think is normal or happy or healthy? And I can't remember exactly, but it was something like the fella saying three times a week and the woman believing once every two months is okay. Like it was so, you know, it was absolutely ridiculous. And it was until we had that conversation, it's like, you know, it's 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 just your expectations. You know, you think this is what's mm. because you're not getting that, you know, you, you think there's a real problem. And it's not about anything other than your spouse just has a completely different idea on what's normal, you know. So, so it's not mm. because it is happening once every however, and that's normal. That's the, that's the norm, you know. And it was until that discussion was had and you know and a better understanding of the other person where we could start to sort of talk about this stuff and and you know you know each couple was better educated on the other and and you know we we, we can come to sort of agreements and have that discussion so sometimes yeah it's as simple as as a discussion you know can solve a lot mm. of problems communication i feel like that's the theme yeah i hear you saying communication communication <laughs> communication Communication, got it. Communication yeah. is communication. Is the key. Yeah. You know, you know. I say to couples, and look, I, I could be wrong, and other people may completely disagree with me. But you know, I say to couples, and couples come to marriage counselling. It's not about not fighting or not having differences. I said, you, I don't think anyone will ever. And maybe there's a few people that do, and, and you know, great for them. 
But for the majority of us, you're not going to have a marriage where you don't fight, where you don't argue. But And that's not the aim. I say coming to marriage counselling, don't think I have a wand where you're going to come to me, we're going to have a few sessions and you guys are going to go off and never fight again. That's absolutely not going to happen. But it's about fighting. Fight all you want, but fighting nicely, fighting respectfully, fighting well, not even using the term fighting, but disagreeing, seeing things differently, you know, not seeing eye to eye, it's fine, it's going to happen. But the way we do that, we can, it can blow up and there can be resentment and anger and frustration and words being exchanged and, and hurt and, and, you know, that can happen. Or we can have the same disagreements and the same conflict, yet we can communicate and we can talk and we can deal with it a different way. So I, yeah, I, I really feel it, a lot of it, if not all of it, comes down to communication. And if it's bad communication, we have problems. If it's good communication, we still have the same differences and the same, you know, opposition. But it's it, it can be a, a, a happy, a successful, uh, you know, a, a good marriage, a good relation. Um, and just, uh, I guess, to bring it a little bit um, uh, to a close, um, we've mentioned a lot of strategies. You've you've spoken to us a lot about different ways we can. Again, I'm going to use the, the term reignite the spark, as, as cheesy as that sounds, but I just feel like it <laughs> captures it perfectly. Um, what are some maybe final strategies that you could think of, a few more pointers for the couple that might be in that rut or feel like they're in, a, you know, a monotonous season where things are just happening, they're just, they're just living essentially and they're not making that time for each other? They're not really acknowledging each other and everything's revolving around the kids um, and it, it is becoming more like business meetings, every interaction. What are some final strategies that, you know, this couple can implement to reignite the spark or to just improve that relationship, things that we may not have mentioned so far? Look, um, I, I, will, I will challenge every one of us, every couple out there, with this concept of us not having time for our relationships. And I'll really, I'll really challenge that. And, you know, I think, I don't think it's, we don't have time. I think it's, we haven't invested even the little time that we have to make our marriages work. So I would challenge couples, if they feel that way, or if they're, you know, they're, they're not in, in, a, in a good place, the strategy of putting time aside diarizing, actually saying from this time to this time, we're going to sit down and we're going to have a discussion for the betterment of our marriage. And if that is a 15-minute discussion because they're genuinely time poor and they've got so much on, or if that's an hour and a half discussion because they have a bit more time. But I think all of us can find 20 minutes in our overlapping schedules and in our day to sit down and have a chat. Um, and and for those that genuinely can't, okay, they're a special case. I think they'd be the one percent, and maybe you know they, we don't include them in this in this discussion. But for the vast majority of us, we we can have that time. We just need to find them. We need to plan for it. And then in that time, you know, why can't why can't all of us as couples put aside twenty minutes once a week to discuss how was the last week gone? What was something I did that really upset you last week? What did you appreciate? What was the the fondest memory of the last week that just went by and when did you want to murder me you know and and every week set aside that time to have those those discussions mm. things like um look especially with kids 
as a strategy and practical sort of tip, date night is very important. Couples that don't put aside time for themselves, it's, it's, it's not good. It's not okay and it's not good. And on your point, Marina, you know, a lot of couples may not have the resources, have the, the support, you know, for babysitting and things like that. But we we don't, you don't necessarily need that. You, you can have date night at home. There's Uber Eats that we all, we all get Uber Eats, you know. Why can't we get Uber Eats for date night at home? You know, all of us watch Netflix. Why can't we put aside time to watch something together that we can laugh at or connect with or talk about you know even spiritual stuff you know the the chosen all this other stuff that we, you know that we have access to you know or why can't we you know even you know couples with young babies newborns you know in the summertime it's warm and it's hot when your newborns are asleep in the pram why can't you go for a walk together around the pot, you know safe and the weather's okay it's not a problem so I know all of us are busy and we've all got kids and we've all got jobs and we've all got so much responsibility, but when you peel away the layers and you actually minute for minute, hour by hour, each day of the week, you actually sit down and, and bring out pen and paper and, and, and strategize, I'm convinced most of us can find time for our relationships. And I, I just think it's it's that simple. We don't actually do it that way. And I know it's a bit weed and who does that I, I i know i get it but you know if if we can as awkward as it is or whatever it could be you know it could make a real difference to our relationships and and that's the thing and i think it's featured through this whole discussion it's effort 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 it's consistency mm. if we're going to wing our marriages we're, it's not going to be the best that we can make it if we're going to put effort time mm. resource i mean like i said we allocate time for all these other things this is the most important thing. This is the yeah. church in our home. This is Christ's relationship with the church. This marriage that God has united is more important than anything else. It gives us the ability to do everything else. So if we look at it like that, you're not going to convince anyone that you don't have half an hour to spare in a week, you know, for, for the most important yeah. Um And, yeah, I think if, if, we, if, if more couples can do that, um, we, you know, we, we can, we, we'll find the time. We'll find the time. I think we'll find the time. Hmm. And if you have the ability and you have the resources, date night, lock it in once a week. If you have grandparents or siblings or, you know, you even, you know, like, I don't know English, but when they call like a gamaya in Arabic, you know, where you get a pool of people together and you're, you know, so do it <laughs> I haven't heard that term for many years. Why not? You know, do it with friends, siblings, whatever. I'll take your kids for the night slumber party and you'll yeah. have date night once a week and I'll drop my kids off at yours and we'll have date night. Like, you know, if we get creative and if we put effort, I'm sure mm. a lot of us can make it happen. Okay, awesome. That was, I, I can't even tell you how helpful this was. Um, I, you know, we've been putting off this episode since we started the podcast. Um, but now I'm thinking, I don't know why we did, but thank you so much, Kira. This was really insightful. And I, I hope, you know, anyone listening, um, you've taken something away from this. Um, and for those who missed it at the start, uh, Kira works at Exodus. So if you need anything more from him, that's where you can hit him up. 
Um, but thank you so much. Honestly, uh, it's been a really enlightening conversation. I can't thank no, you enough for your no, time. No worries. Well, thank you for having me. And just on that, look at Exodus as well. Look, the, the, the good thing with us, we're, we're sort of, we're culturally appropriate and we understand the culture, we understand the context where our confidentiality policies and practices are, are they have to be. For us being a community organisation, everyone knows someone, everyone's need for someone. So for us, like all of this stuff is, is, is very confidential. And even like a lot of people, you know, are not comfortable, you know, to discuss this stuff with people they know and 100%. But I guess the message, like if you, if you need help, like chip away at it. If something's going wrong, if you can fix it, if you can find strategy, if you can read a book, if you can watch a webinar, you can, you know, get some good tools and implement them and it works, fantastic. If you've tried that and you can't, go, go keep going up until you can get the help that you need. Um, yeah, that's my only, I hope to take home for anyone listening. If you need support, there is support out there, all kinds of different support and, and something that will, will suit you and will, will meet your need. But please, if you need support, go find yeah. it. You, you, our marriages are worth it. You know, our family units are worth it. They're worth putting ourselves out there to find the help that we need. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so thank you again. Um, and as always, if you wanted to reach us or you just want to catch up on all the previous episodes, um, we are uh, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Upper Room Media, anywhere where podcasts are available, you'll find Mami. Um, and if you wanted to reach us directly, you can uh, reach us through our Instagram page, the underscore Mami, M-A-M-I underscore village, um, or just Mami on Facebook. Um, or if you know us directly, please never have, hesitate to actually get in touch with us directly. Um, but thank you again, Kiro, for this awesome episode. Um, next time, Thank you. Um, we'll be keeping up with this um, series. We've got one more instalment um, for Love After Kids, uh, and it's about finding love again, uh, how to navigate single parenting um, and love after essentially falling out of love once um, once you've got kids. So a really, really important um, discussion to be had, and we've also got a special guest for that one. So please, if you have any questions, on that or you want to hear things covered or addressed or even speaking from your own personal experience please get in touch with us um uh, you know we would like to feature your questions on the episodes too just to help guide the discussion Um, thank you again, um, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Bye.